0: there's no upsell, no guru
1: pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. It's another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest today is a very interesting lady. She has got some cool stuff in her story. We're going to get all the way into what she's been up to recently and her journeys as a digital nomad, as a powerful and influential female entrepreneur in the insurance world and in adjacent spaces. She is Miss Meg McKean. Thank you so much for joining us, Meg. I'm grateful that you're here spending some of your time with us.
2: Thanks for inviting me. Thanks.
1: This is going to be fun because... You're one of the people that I don't know from prior to this conversation. I've heard a lot of your interviews on friends of mine and and other podcasts. You are are one of the voices that has definitely come on the scene in a couple of different specific contexts that we'll get into here in just a second. But also, as you said in our little lead-in to hitting the record button, you're a lot more than just those two subjects. And we're going to get more into Meg's story and what she's been up to and and what she's seen and heard and felt in other things beyond just what people may be used to hearing from you in the the last few months, the last couple of years in the subject of diversity, equity and inclusion and, and female empowerment and how we can add more value and more perspective to that side of the industry. So I'm grateful that you're here. That was a really lengthy, clunky lead in now that I'm kind of processing it in my mind. So thanks for being here.
2: You're welcome. I'm impressed. Uh oh did my not gosh. sound clunky from where I'm sitting. So well okay. done. Yeah. Well, maybe
1: I just struggle with anxiety and uh performance and unrealistic expectations of myself. I know that's something that you were kind enough to share is part of your journey, just dealing with the importance of having good mental health and I'd love to get into that in this episode and talk about how we can promote these conversations of vulnerability and transparency and and really have the message sent that, hey, you know what? It is totally okay to not just be an insurance robot. And in podcasts like this, it's totally okay to go off script a little bit now and then and to just have an authentic conversation about the human side of what we do. Yeah the emotional, the spiritual, the metaphysical, there's a lot that goes in to each one of us far beyond just what we are in a work context. So I'm really grateful that you let out with authenticity and vulnerability because it tells me, okay, we're going there in this conversation. Let's get after it, boys and girls. So Meg, catch us up for those of us in the audience that maybe haven't heard any of your story, that don't know uh, who you are or or what you're about. Why don't you just say, give us your bio and whatever you choose to share.
2: I will. And thank you for the chance to do that. And thanks for talking using some of my most favorite language already right out of the gate. And I believe one of the greatest missed opportunities in our business is the relationship that we have with ourselves and really the deep understanding of who we are and what we stand for and how we want to show up in this business is something that we are not taught as professionals. And so the greatest learning I did, which came About six years ago, after I left my last traditional insurance job, was a lot of personal development and a lot of self-exploration and asking myself some tough questions about how I wanted to show up and how I could also earn a living, and that's what I do today. The first 20-so years, not super exciting, a very traditional career path. I started as an intern in college. And moved over to the carrier side, moved into underwriting, underwriting leadership, became an agent, and then started consulting five years ago, which is pretty wild to think about. It'll be five years in July. And I forget sometimes because I'm so far in it what a milestone that is, but I'm pretty proud. I'm not pretty proud. I'm super proud of what I've built and what I'm building and and what that represents for the way that I show up in the industry and, and also the opportunities that I'm able to create for others as well is the reward. So thanks for letting me share that here. Do you have questions about particular stops along the way? Because I can fill in in blanks and tell stories all day long.
1: But You know, other than your LinkedIn and what I've heard from other podcast interviews, which bravo at getting around on the podcasting scene, but doing so in a way that actually builds value because – for me as a podcaster, I get annoyed by dumb stuff that most people couldn't care less about. But I pay attention to the guest scene and, and who's doing what, as you can imagine, because I'm always on the lookout for a guest that's off the beaten path, like bringing a voice that my audience hasn't heard on Insurance Guys or Carruthers or Cass or Ryan Hanley or insert other industry podcast here. You know what I mean by that. Yeah, but I do the perspective that you deliver isn't a carbon copy. Like, your interview on Carruthers is different than the conversation uh, that I've lost count now. I've, I've heard a Meg McKean interview, I think, four or five different times. But there's enough unique content in each one of those conversations that it doesn't feel duplicative. So, that is you more than the host, I know. Because the the guest guides most of this conversation. You and I haven't really set an agenda. I have no idea the questions I'm going to ask you. You're going to share from your perspective and whatever you say is going to trigger me to ask a follow-up question of some sort. And then roughly 40 minutes from now, give or take, we're going to wrap this thing up. But you as a guest, I mean, bravo. I, I don't even know the right questions to ask because I'm not terribly familiar with the nuances of your journey. Uh, but I love... Hearing your take on things, because honestly, I asked you on because you sound different. Hmm. You are more self-aware. You are more empathic than most people, I think. It seems like you are more sensitive to inviting other people to the conversation. From what I've seen, at least, it seems like you are really interested in building a bigger tent and making room for other people to get invited to the party.
2: Yeah, a thousand percent. That's the juice for me and it's happening and I'm really hard on this industry and I will interrupt myself and say thank you for the kindness and thank you for the kind words about how I show up and one of the things I've learned along the way is that we spend a lot of time and energy trying to be what we're not and when we really sit with and honor who we are, that's when the magic happens and so who you see now is who I've always been but when I had to try to squeeze myself to fit in spaces that weren't meant for me is Mm -hmm. when the disconnect Happened, And six years ago, what I experienced when I left my last traditional role, which was a a lovely small family owned independent agency in Chicago, nothing wrong with the job, nothing wrong with the firm. The issue was me and I Hmm. was completely out of alignment and something had to give. And I was in a situation in my personal life, divorced, but no children and able to take a breather. And I did for a year. I took some time away and I really reevaluated is this industry even for me? Am I for this industry? Is it possible that just because I got a job in this business right out of college that this is the place that I'm meant to be for the rest of my career? Because I wasn't feeling like the things that were inherently me, the things that made me different and unique and valuable were not being valued. And so I had to rewrite the script, which is exactly what I did. And it has been I just was sharing with a a fellow entrepreneurial woman yesterday, like the best decision I made and the worst decision. It's been the proudest thing I've done and also the most humiliating. It's been the most joyful and the most painful. And I think that's the story of entrepreneurship for everyone. But five years ago, I didn't see another way. And so I created my own way. And I'm not advocating that we all leave our nine to fives. We work for different reasons. But for me, at that time, there were so few cons. And so many pros to taking the leap. And then, you know, you throw a couple years of a worldwide pandemic in there, which was, I mean, I don't know that I'll ever fully understand how that has impacted my business and its growth and me as a human, but I'm here and that's something I'll celebrate. It's fascinating how one of the things I'm navigating now as a woman, and I won't say that men don't feel this too, but I I share this with other women in my network and we're talking a lot about what success means and the definition of success as we see it and how we view it today versus maybe how we viewed it 20 years ago when we were just starting out. And a lot of the work that I do is sales coaching for producers and, and also some leadership and executive coaching. Money is always a factor, right? It's always part of the conversation. It's a commission if you're paid that way, it's a retention bonus or profit sharing if you're on the executive side. And and money always factors into the equation. But what people share with me in the most private space is that money is not the motivator at the end of the day. And what they're feeling is so similar to that misalignment that I felt all those years ago. And so there's some solidarity there. I get it. And I'm just a little further ahead on my path and my journey to exploring who I am And where I fit in this industry that didn't always feel like it was for me.
1: I'm going to pause there for just a second because that really resonates with me as a business owner. And the fact, it is absolutely a fact that most people may be in part motivated by money, but their deepest motivations most of the time are something other than just monetary success, whether it's flexibility Uh, to be able to be where they want, when they want to be there, like kids, soccer game, a doctor's appointment, travel, whatever it happens to be. Sometimes it's recognition in front of their peers. Hey, you know what? I saw you did that thing with that client. You did exactly what our vision and mission and values say is important to us. You acted that out. Way to go. And you're praising them in front of their peers. Whether it's something as simple as, I kid you not, earlier today we were talking about as we've got a, a big opportunity in front of us as an agency where we're working on building a program in the real estate investor world and we're partnering with Obi on some things. You may have heard of Obi, mm-hmm. Matt and them on some things and working on some other things as well and there's a possibility for some very significant revenue for the team and we were just chatting about this and basically asking the team, other than me upping your benefits to full, because right now we have a fixed dollar amount. I don't mind saying it. We pay $300 a month towards health insurance per team member right now. We couldn't afford to do the whole thing all at once, but we're tiptoeing in that direction. And I told them, other than upping the benefits to full reimbursement, what else do you want? Is it a car wash membership? Is it manis and petties? Is it Fridays off? Like, what do y'all want? Let's spitball this thing. And one of them said, I'd love a Costco membership. I was like, why don't you just get an agency Costco membership and add each one of us to the agency's membership? And I'm like, well, shoot, why haven't I already done that? What is something as simple as a perk of getting a Costco membership that somebody else pays for. Can they go get their own Costco membership for not that much money? Yeah. It's what? Two, $300 a year? Two or $300 a year to you and me is a tiny, tiny amount of money. Compared to the benefit that somebody feels from, hey, my boss got me a Costco membership. That is the silliest little thing, right? But to at least a few members of my team, they're like, yeah, I'd love a Costco membership that somebody else pays for. It's the littlest things. So I I totally resonate with what you said. So thank you for bringing that up. It really is important for people to hear. It's not just the money.
2: Yeah, and kudos to you for asking. Right. I think that's the that's the takeaway here is it's not about the Costco membership. It's about you as a leader being I'll throw it right back at you self-aware enough to say I don't have all the answers here and I'm making some pretty wild assumptions about what motivates people. And so instead of making those assumptions and leaving some people out and feeling unheard and unseen, I'm going to be brave enough to ask them what yep. they want. And you got out. <laughs> you got out. Easy. Um, and I wanna I wanna That's also not a lot of
1: money. I'm just Yeah. Like, okay. But also
2: <laughs> reflect on, you know, I'm a small business owner. I I'm building this business with intention. I don't want to have a team. My overhead is very low. This is a uh, classic lifestyle business. I will make enough money to support myself, to invest in my future and in my local community give charitably. But Beyond that, I'm not planning to build an empire and scale this thing to sell it. That's just not where I am in terms Mm -hmm. of my motivation. And interestingly, when I mentioned that pro and con list, the con was health insurance. And so I appreciate that you, as a small business owner, are contributing in any way to an employee's health journey, if you will, because it is a real conundrum for many employers and certainly has been a big old headache for me as a solopreneur um and something that i think an awful lot about when i every once in a while daydream about what it would be like to be back in the corporate world it's a stressor uh, for Mm -hmm. someone like me so just want to honor that we're all in a different place on that journey but that you're paying attention to it because i really do think it matters at the end of the day
1: well and i hesitate to use what could be charged language and i imagine you would chastise me for picking certain words but I feel like we really are in a quote unquote war for talent, yeah, as multiple industry publications have said, and a lot of these really huge offices they can't possibly compete with the small and medium sized offices on culture on flexibility, on agility, on creative solutions. they're the definition of giant corporate hegemonic power brokers, like everything they do is because some committee or some executive said that that's what they should do. The only way that we win is leveraging those kind of benefits. But at the same time, there are certain things that we have to do as smaller agency owners to have a shot. And one of them is absolutely medical and other benefits that are non-monetary, but are really important, like 401k matching or some form thereof, whether it's a simplified employee pension or IRA, something or other. I used to be a financial advisor in a past life, but I set those things aside. So I always get a little bit twitchy if I start saying financial (laughs) words. It's like, oh, I do not have any of those licenses anymore. FINRA, SIPC, SEC, if you're listening, I'm not selling nothing. So don't come after me. (laughs) But the benefits are important. If we're going to compete with Higginbotham, with Brown and Brown, with all the big boys and girls, we have to be ready to pony up in certain ways. Otherwise, you're just going to miss out on the top shelf, the top two or three shelves probably of talent in the marketplace because yeah. they just don't want to come somewhere that doesn't have benefits.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to quote my dearly departed grandmother when I say there's a lid for every pot. And I think, I think about my own energy and the companies I worked on the carrier side and then the agency side and the companies that I choose chose to align myself with then. And and it really rings true even now as I think about my average client profile. There's an energy alignment and there is a cultural fit and it's a two-way street. And I think the struggle right now is for companies to be able to tell that story in a compelling way that draws people in. But I think you kind of know if you're a big company person or a little company person. And then maybe you're motivated differently by some of those perks. For Mm -hmm. me, one of the things that's always been important is to have access to leadership. It's always been important and always will be important to me to know that there's maybe not a direct line, but doesn't take too long to get to a decision maker. And I don't think that that's too much to ask as an employee, that you understand what the rules of the game are and what success looks like. And some companies are really stubbing their toe right now because leadership is being really quiet and they're taking a backseat on issues and concerns that they really do have a responsibility to speak about. And that's an advantage to the little guy right now, right? That you, yeah. whether you want it or not, you wear all the hats and that therefore you have responsibility more. So you have accountability, which is something that employees are asking for even more. And so you may not have this really robust suite of benefits, but you have some other things that are really hard to quantify when you're mm-hmm. in a larger organization. And, and I say, as I said earlier, flaunt the heck out of those things and don't ignore the things that you aren't or don't have. But that's always going to be the case. And so how can you leverage what's already there and what comes easily?
1: It's, it's so silly to say this because it seems like a small story, but it's the perfect opportunity based on what you just said. We have hired five different front desk people in the last four years, all of them have been from outside of the industry. All of them have been 20 something females and all of them have promoted out of that role into something else. And with one exception, because she moved back to New Hampshire to be with her family, all of them are still employed here, but they've all moved up and all, but one of them's moved up multiple times and been promoted because we hire very intentionally. And I, i like to promote internally, but the young lady that just started, she's 20 years old. She is adorable. Honestly, the energy that this girl has is really cool. It's inspiring and encouraging. I'm just like, man, it's been a long time since I was 20 years old and you have really great energy. But I'm telling the story because for the first time ever I asked someone to go get coffee for the office because usually I'm the one who gets coffee for the office and I have everybody's coffee. I not know people's coffee orders in my, in my team, but I walked up there and I'm like, because before I walked up, I was, I, I asked Addy, like, is it okay if I ask, um, Gwen to get coffee? Is that, is it okay if I ask her to do that? I feel weird about asking someone to go get coffee for me. I've literally in my entire career of being a boss, I've never once asked someone, go get my coffee. It was, I almost had to like check myself Was like, am I being a sexist male like boss? Was like, am I doing that? It was like kind of a weird thing. And I walked up there and was like, hey, um, Addy's going to text you everybody's coffee order. Do you mind going and grabbing it for the office? And of course, while you're there, add your own thing to the order. Cause that's just how we do things around here. And of course she was like, oh, that's fine. No big deal. Where is it? And we gave her a little occasion. We insure the coffee shop, so we're there all the time. But it, in that moment, it was like, I feel weird about sending this girl to get coffee. And it was just the silliest thing, because I probably shouldn't have felt weird. But it's because of conversations like this with colleagues and peers that I have in the industry that I'm probably even a little bit overly sensitive about being a chauvinist or ever, you know, doing anything that even looks or sounds remotely sexist because of the nine people that work here, seven of them are female, two of them are minorities and one of them is an LGBTQ member of society and I'm just really careful about all of the ists, you know, sexist, racist, etc. So, sorry, I know that's a long-winded story, but you said what you said and I'm like, "Oof, yesterday, that was me." Oh man, so, no, you're, you're
2: speaking your truth. And I appreciate that. And I think this is what progress looks like is it it's that internal niggling feeling in your belly that says, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? And I think there's some truth in that feeling. And I appreciate you sitting with it and questioning it.
1: Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, Right. Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com.
2: You know, there's all sorts of litmus tests that you can run it run through in those situations. Would I, if this receptionist were male or identified as male, would you ask him? to do it? And if the answer is no, then you probably have an issue, right? Yeah. Is that part of that job description? Is that the asterisk at the end that says, and other duties as assigned? Yep. Certainly okay, not inappropriate, not yep. sexual harassment, not crossing a boundary, simply a task that needs to be done. One of the interesting things I think may be the case for you, and I don't want to project, but again, as someone who spends time in leadership development space there isn't a moment in time even when your title shifts from individual contributor to leader of people sometimes that journey is a little bit more clumsy and really what you're doing in that moment is you're saying we have a task that needs to be accomplished i don't think i'm the right person or that this is the most efficient use of my time as the leader of this organization therefore i'm going to delegate this and no one taps you on the shoulder and says hey james it's cool. It's Tuesday afternoon. Now you can go have somebody else get your coffee. That is such a charged task because it's become the butt of so many examples that we use in our industry. But there's a million of them. Yeah. And I think you, you're you the only one that can decide if that's appropriate or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And then also, you, know, you mentioned asking another colleague if it would be okay to ask Gwen to get the coffee. What if you ask Gwen? You know, there is Mm. a hierarchy here, right, of you are the boss, she is the quote-unquote subordinate, but the level, there is a a bit of a leveling off that's happening where employees are pushing up for more responsibility and more authority and more Mm -hmm. more of a seat at the proverbial table, and leadership is leveling out a little bit, and they still have the authority, but they're looking for more collaboration and more buy-in from team members. And many, many insurance organizations are still very hierarchical very hierarchical and it's the nature of the jobs that we do your butt is in this seat your butt is in that seat and therefore the two shall never mix and that's changing and it's largely changing because and I love them for it this generation that's coming in didn't grow up in that hierarchical environment where everything was collaborative and we are on a team and so we are having to do a bit of catching up as leaders to meet them where they are and and I'm here for it i think it's it will serve our industry well in the long run.
1: Yeah. Now, I love the challenge there of ask Gwen to use a Josh Braun term saying, would it be inappropriate to, you know, does it cause you any sort of misgivings to be asked to go run an errand? Now, if it's it's a team thing, I don't have any problem with it, generally speaking, but I would never ask someone to do something for me personally unless that was explicitly expressed up front in their job description, like, I recognize that at some point in the not distant future, I will have an executive assistant, someone who is tasked with handling me, quote unquote. That's okay because everybody knows up front, hey, you were paid to make things easier for me and let me focus on things that have more monetary value with my minutes and hours. Which, not to be sitting in the hot seat, but you kind of put me there, so I felt like I have to (laughs) Ah, circle back. see
2: what I did there? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, for me, it comes back to time value of money.
2: Yeah.
1: It comes back to, I have a responsibility to my team to properly value my minutes and hours and make sure that I'm doing the right things for the team, the highest and best use concept, right? Yeah. It's like, by me going and spending the six minutes in the car to and from, so 12 minutes in total, let's say I stand in line for three minutes and wait three or four minutes for the coffee order. By the time we do things, it's probably close to 30 minutes round trip that I'm gone. It's at least that where I'm mentally disengaged from whatever. So if my hourly rate is $230 an hour in real impact, which it's roughly there, give or yep. take, it's been a few months since I've calculated it, but I really shouldn't be the one running for the coffee because. It costs us well over $100 plus the cost of the coffee if I'm gone for 30 minutes. Yeah. So that's kind of where my head goes for for those kind of, well, why aren't you doing it? It was like, I'm the CEO. I probably shouldn't be getting the coffee. It's not good for the company if I'm getting the coffee. Yeah. So. Well, in
2: getting to know you in this way, I sense your delivery is not, I'm the CEO. I shouldn't be getting the coffee. It's a much more a softer, nuanced yeah. delivery, right? Mm-hmm. There are still those in the industry who are sitting in their burgundy leather, uh, high back, swiveled office chairs saying, I am the CEO of this company. Go do what I tell you to do. Get my dry cleaning and make sure my wife has a birthday card. And, oh, and I will say, mm. I will say- Shoot me if
1: I'm ever that hey, guy, Hey, but me tell listen, you.
2: and here's the really interesting thing about all of this. There are- And this was something that would would frustrate me to no end when I first started dipping my toe into the work that I'm doing now and speaking more openly about and advocating for women, particularly women in sales in our industry. I think this is our time, ladies. But it would frustrate me that the numbers would show, and they still do, 50% of licensed producers identify as female. So we think we're winning. The vast majority of those are women in administrative service roles. So they are not actually out as licensed agents selling and soliciting new business. And so it's a bit of a misnomer, and we've been able to to rest a little bit on the data that we're doing okay, and, and I would argue. However, I made a broad assumption years ago, as I mentioned when I started doing this work, that all of those women who were sitting in CSR and account manager roles wanted to be producing and wanting to earn unlimited commission and freedom and flexibility And man, was I wrong. There are so many women who are very, very content, more than content, but feel valued and seen for being able to contribute in the agencies that they work within in ways that are categorized as, could you go get the coffee? Could you make sure that the sign at the front door has our guest's name on it today? And all of these little things that we take for granted in many cases give them a sense of purpose and meaning and joy and connection. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And just because it's not my goal in the work that I do or the way that I would want to spend my day doesn't devalue it. I think the difference is are we being open and candid about are you happy and satisfied and content? Is this the way that you want your career trajectory to be going. What I see happening over and over again is that there are women who are craving more and different, more challenge, more opportunity, more money, but aren't being presented with the opportunities um, to get there. And I think that's where we really get hung up. There are definitely plenty of people that are are happy with the role that they have and don't aspire for other things. But I think we need to focus on the ones who are on the move, right? Who are on their own path.
1: Well. It- Kudos to you for recognizing that your own assumptions as a a recognized thought leader and an expert on this sort of conversation, this sort of topic, that even you were needing to remind yourself of those inherent and potentially subconscious biases of projecting your goals and ambitions onto these other women who would probably themselves tell you, um, no, I have no desire to be a producer. Are you kidding me? I love what I do. And I, I, again, to your point, there's a lot of traditional, you know, male leadership that checks all of the stereotype boxes, you know, <laughs> Protestant, white, older, male, suburbia, upper middle class, etc. Walking stereotypes as I call them. I'm I'm that. I'm I'm not older, but I uh, 39, so I'm not a spring chicken anymore, as they say. But I love that even you, with as much time as you spend being empathic and being self-aware and promoting other people being self-aware, that you were able to step back and go, wait a second. Um, I'm interpreting this data a little bit incorrectly. So well done. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> Thanks. It's a journey. Um, it is a journey, and I do not have all the answers and Nor do I want to, frankly. And there's a lot of experts in our business who are really good at being expert. And I say that tongue in cheek. And I think a sense of curiosity and humility goes a long way in helping to rally support for the bigger journey that we're on. And I I have to remind myself and, and others who know and love me, thank goodness, remind me that we're all on a different journey simultaneously. And some of us are further along than others. And one of the reasons I'm hard on the industry is I just don't think change happens fast enough at the pace at which I'd like to see it. But when I think about the conversations I was having five years ago and the kind of work that I was doing five years ago and what it looks like today, uh, we are absolutely most certainly making change. And I, I have to, to pause sometimes and reflect that literally every single contract that I have right now are not things that we would have been talking about five years ago. And that's something, that's something pretty special.
1: It really is. And progress is incremental. Progress doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes it's hard to see the progress because it happens so slowly. Kind of like a weight loss journey where, you know, you a couple of months later, where you may not be able to see it because it's your body and you see it all day, every day. But you run into that friend you haven't seen in two or three months and they go, ooh, you look great. You've lost some weight. It's like, wait a second. I had no idea that that was even a thing, but thank you because outside perspective is so much easier to grasp that kind of stuff. You know, I, I want to get your perspective on this. And um, where's my, there's my little swoosh sound effect. Uh, Cause we're changing subjects now a little bit. <laughs> All
2: right. I love it.
1: Nick Ayers, Love him or hate him, he tends to have his finger on the pulse of a lot of things and I had an epiphany and it was Denise Bravo and Aurora Mullet were basically called me on the carpet back in April of 21 and recognized that, sorry, not 21, 22 is less than a year ago, basically said, you act like an egotistical entitled brat. I don't know if you mean to do that, James, but that's kind of how you're perceived by a lot of people. That was really hard to hear, as you can imagine, but I know those women reasonably well and I know they mean well. Then they're not just trying to be jerks or cut me down. They really wanted to see me get better about it. And so, after a lot of reflection, I recorded an episode uh, that aired last May where I refer to myself as the unintentional asshole. And it's been an interesting journey, but. I'm reflecting on Nick and something that he said, it's been at least a year ago now, where he was basically encouraging me to be authentic on this podcast and not worry too much about people getting their feathers ruffled, which is interesting because Nick ruffles a lot of feathers from a lot of people. Um, But he's authentic. He's himself. And the statement that he made that I want to ask your opinion on in the context of DE&I and how we can be productive and moving things along and you know helping people be willing to change perspective nick said as a content creator as a thought leader if you're not angering and disrupting agitating at least 25% of your audience you're probably not doing anything substantial you're probably not saying anything uh, that is full of meaning and nick is a personal friend i care what he thinks. And I know his heart because we've spent enough time talking offline that I know what he's really about, not just when he's on stage when the camera's recording. But I feel like for folks like you and I and other alpha dogs in the industry that have higher than average following, where people care what they say, where they influence the opinions of others more readily, What do you think about that perspective of if you're not angering and irritating and frustrating, at least a sizable portion of your audience, probably not saying anything substantial? What do you think about that?
2: I mean, different strokes for different folks. Um, I'm not an agitator. I'm not an offender. I don't I don't have a measure for how many people I've upset or irritated. Mm-hmm. That's not the way I carry myself. And I don't have a personal relationship with Nick. So this isn't directed at Nick at all. It's advice that I've heard as a content creator along the way, myself from different sources. I've only had a couple of different experiences with trolls on posts that I've shared on LinkedIn. And looking back at who it was because it's someone I came to know and and how they're wired I I can laugh about it, but that's not why I'm on the platform. Right now, I don't, you know, it's subtle, but I really haven't been on social media much at all lately because I want to draw a distinction between saying and doing. And I think when we talk about D, E, and I, and B, belonging, the conversation is just that. It's been a lot of talk and it's been a lot of agitation and a lot of quote unquote disruption and not a lot of action. And so when I look at the the choices I'm making about the projects that I take on and the clients that I align myself with, they are all creating remarkable change, not just for women, but for all the people that are in this industry. And so you're not going to see me on social media as much as you have in the past. And that's on purpose because I have time and energy to give and I want to give it in a way that's making remarkable change instead of stirring the proverbial pot. I also want to call out it hasn't always been safe for me to have an opinion about things in a public way. You know, I'm the kid of uh, parents and in a culture, in a society, in a community where you don't talk about certain things in a public forum, and especially when the decision makers in our industry could be offended by some of the things that I might talk about. And so I've, I was taught, by example, just don't talk about those things. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about your personal beliefs. And so as a general rule, I still don't. However, what I have created is a space within my wider community of strangers on LinkedIn, because that's a lot of what they are, to be honest, a community of people who really see and value me and my ideas, and I don't need to share those ideas with the entire universe i'll share with you very candidly i've not shared this story publicly and i think it's really important to to remember that we all come to a platform like linkedin with different experience and also a different position so i i had a connection that i made on linkedin ended up to be a subscriber of my newsletter and i really considered someone who was invested in my success and really wanted to support me in my business he worked for a large company and along the way had had offered to make an introduction to one of their top leaders who was someone I wanted to know. And flash forward 18 months or so of kind of banter here and there back and forth, and I received a series of really inappropriate sexual messages from this person on LinkedIn. And I've experienced that before in the corporate world. I'm not a stranger to sexual harassment. Unfortunately, it's I'm not dismissing it, um, but it's something that's not new to me. It was new to me in the context of being the gatekeeper of all of my relationships. And I felt shame that I had let this person in, that I had trusted him and that even though my boundaries are tight, he still snuck in there. And then I went back and I reread all of our communication and I tried to find the place where I asked for it. I tried to find the, the opening I gave him that told him it was okay to treat me that way. I didn't, of course, but I would challenge that because of my experience and because of all of the things that make me me, that's why I show up on social media the way I do. It's why I will talk about certain things and I won't talk about other. I have a podcast as well. I'm very, very vulnerable on the podcast, but I still have boundaries. There are still certain things I will not talk about, certain relationships and boundaries that I protect because I believe in having those. And Frankly, I think that's Why even more the relationships that I have are solidified through social media and the podcast because I live those values. And so there's a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people that are saying things just to be heard. And I've fallen into that trap before. But at this point in time, I'm choosing to be much more intentional about who and where I share myself and my message and my stories with and then inviting more of a two-way conversation, which is one of the downsides of LinkedIn is that it can feel very very one-sided when you're on the creator side. It gives people a sense of familiarity and connection with you that they really haven't earned. So, yep. that's a lot. I feel like I've uh I've just unloaded quite a bit, but social media is a really interesting quote unquote tool and I've definitely definitely had my share of experiences with it.
1: I, I hate to be the one to shut this down because this is a great conversation. I have an obligation that I am oh. now three minutes late to. Okay. This is thank you so much yeah. for sharing from the heart here and speaking into a conversation that I have come to find terribly interesting and engaging. And like you, I look forward to continued progress here. I'm sorry we had some data issues. I'm gonna turn this off here, yeah. I don't know what the data problem was. I had to turn off the video for a little bit. It's kind of hard to have a conversation with someone that you can't see. That's okay. We're a little spoiled, I think, by the Zoom yeah. generation of communication and forgetting what it's like to be on a phone call with someone where all you have is tone and inflection and pace and whatnot. Yeah. So you've been a trooper with this recording. I really appreciate Thanks. it, uh, Meg. And if people want to get a hold of you other than LinkedIn because you are taking a bit of a hiatus from social what's the best way for someone to engage with you?
2: Yeah, to clarify, not a hiatus, just a bit of a, a, uh, just, bit of a departure, uh, toning, right? Um,
1: toning down of activity.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I um, chose the web- wrong
1: word there, sorry.
2: Yeah, no, no, no I just don't, I, I'm, not comp- I'm not shutting anything down. It's just um, I'm changing up my approach and seeing, seeing what the algorithm does to me as a result. But my website, adjunctadvisors.com, is the best way to learn more about what I do and then how to connect with me more more intentionally and all sorts of good info waits for you there.
1: Adjunctadvisors.com.
2: Yep. That's, that's it. That's
1: A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: We'll put that in the show notes for sure. And thank you so much uh, for joining us for this conversation. I imagine there will be a lot of follow-ups that come from this. So Folks, it's another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, and we will talk to you again real
0: soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.